Let's go to the Word of God. We're going to go to 2 Chronicles, 2 Chronicles. And I want to talk about three things I believe that every fast needs to have, three things that every fast needs to have. And, uh, and it's found in 2 Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14. I hope you'll be taking notes tonight. I always tell you, take notes, uh, not because I feel like I'm some great, amazing speaker, but because I believe that God has spoken to me and has given me something to say to you. And so when you come to church, I feel like we should always show up with an expectation of saying, okay, God, what do you want to say? What do you want to speak to me tonight? So I pray that you'll take notes and just with that, just saying, God, speak to me, speak to me every time we show up. Second Chronicles 714, you'll probably know this. It says, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face, and turn from their wicked ways. Then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sins and heal their land. So let me give you a little context to this. King Solomon has just built the temple. And, you know, they had this tent for the longest time to where they would go to, to worship God and offer sacrifices. And, and David had it in his heart to build this temple for God and he didn't get to build the temple. He stored up all the supplies. And then his son, Solomon, was able to finish the temple. So he just finished building the temple. And note this, because I think it's key to what we're going to talk about tonight. In verse 13, God is speaking to Solomon. And God says this, When I shut up heaven and there is no rain, where I command the locusts to devour the land, or send pestilence among my people. So listen to this. Verse 13, he says this. Basically, when people are in despair, when they don't have the answer, when, when there's no rain or the locusts come or they're in a time of trouble, then what does it say? If my people, when you're in a time of trouble, when you find yourself in a hard place, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I'll forgive their sins. And watch in verse 15 what it says. Now my eyes will be open and my ears attentive to the prayers made in this place. And I believe that's this place. I believe tonight that as we cry out to God and we're going to take some time at the end to just cry out to God. I believe his ear is going to be opened. Why? Because we're his people. And we're going to apply some practical principles to, to prayer and fasting tonight. And I believe that God is going to speak. So, Lord, show up in this place. Touch me. Speak through me. Use me tonight. God, I just, I'm thankful that I get to deliver your word. Lord, just use me as your mouthpiece. Get me out of the way. It has nothing to do with me. It has everything to do with you. Lord, let people hear your word and what you want to say to them tonight. In Jesus' name, come on. And everybody said, amen, amen, and amen. I hope you're doing good. Everybody, Everybody's looking a little thinner uh, tonight in, in the audience. And you're probably saying, well, you look thinner too. Well, good. I'm glad. Uh, that's just a, a great side benefit of, of the fast that we all get thinner and uh, I'm loving to hearing just different stories as I've, I've reached out to people and, you know, talking to you and, and just hearing your experiences and, and encounters on the fast. One that, that we got was, uh, was amazing. Um, the church family, um, they were some of the first people to really join the, the launch team. That's their last name, Brian and Brooke Church. You're like, the church family? Yes, the Brian and Brooke Church. They're so spiritual that their last name is church. That's just that's how holy they are. Uh, and so, you know, 
they decided to join and, and do the fast with us. And so obviously, you know, they're kind of at home and, and talking about the fast and talking about what they're going to fast. And, and so, you know, they really don't think much about it going about their day. And I guess it was Monday or, or Tuesday. Um, Brooke gets a church, uh, a text from school and it says, uh, Hudson is their son. It says Hudson is refusing to eat. Uh, he's at lunch and, and he, and he won't eat. And he said that, that he's fasting. And, uh, and so here he goes to lunch, and, uh, and he doesn't eat. And so, you know, it comes to snack time, and she gets like another text. I may be butchering the story, but it's something along these lines. And uh, gets another text. You know, he's not eating a snack. And somewhere throughout the day, he started feeling really guilty because he had forgot that he was fasting, and he ate two goldfish, and, and he felt really bad. And so anyway, so he went home, and uh, they, they had a talk with him and said, look, let's fast something, but, you know, you're – uh, in the fourth grade, third grade, you, you can't be fasting. First grade, he's in the first grade. You can't fast food in, in the first grade. And, uh, but, it, you know, the principle behind that is, you know, raise up a child in the way that he should go. And if you, if you wonder what raising up a child in the way, that's what it looks like when you're in your home and, you know, you're setting these godly principles. But wherever you're at on your fast, you know, I just encourage you to keep going. Maybe even this last week, maybe you kind of had a mess up and, you know, you said, I'm going to fast this or that. And, you you know, maybe you partook of whatever you said you were going to fast. Get back in the fast. Get back in the game. It's not over. Uh, and, you know, you're, you're learning, you're growing, and we're all in this journey together. And so that's what I want to talk about tonight. I want to talk about three principle, uh, three uh, really kind of practical, practical principles uh, of fasting. Last week we looked at this. We looked at the why behind fasting. And if you didn't hear that message, I'd encourage you to go back on the app and take a listen to that. But we talked about the why behind why we fast. We said this, we, we first fast first and foremost out of obedience to God's words. word. Man, come on, Lord, touch my tongue. But furthermore, we fast because it moves the heart of God. And we said this, that some things only come out through fasting and prayer. It moves the heart of God. And I could even say if we had a theme for this whole fast, it would be this, that fasting moves the heart of God and some things only come out through fasting and prayer. Tonight, what I want to look at is I want to look at what fasting is and I want to look at what fasting is not. Because we can go without food and if we don't include these three things, if we don't include humility, if we don't include seeking God's face and we don't include repentance, honestly, it's just a diet. Can I say that again? If we don't include these things, humility, seeking God's face, and repentance, honestly, it's just a diet or it's just a New Year's resolution. And I believe that what we're doing is more than a New Year's resolution. It holds more value than just making some commitment at the beginning of the year. But I really do believe that what we're doing, when we set it with a purpose, when we set it with a goal behind it to say, God, I'm seeking your face in humility to turn from my ways and turn back to you. I really do believe that it will move the heart of God and the things that we need in our life, the things that we've been praying for, the things that we've been asking for, that is going to move the heart of God. And some things only come out through fasting and prayer. So if you're taking notes tonight, there's three things that, uh, that, that this fast must include. And the first is this, it's humility. Because if my people who were called by my name will humble themselves, Second Chronicles teaches us. 
Because I believe this, that as we fast, it shows a 100% self-reliance on God to provide for us everything that we need, the spiritual strength. And this is something that we always realize. We always realize we need a spiritual strength. But when we fast, what we also realize is that we need God for physical strength. We need God strength to be able to say no to the things that we want. If it's food, if it's a certain thing, maybe you're fasting meat and you're like, I just want a burger. I just want a steak, a pork chop, uh, a big old piece of chicken. I don't know, you know, a Cornish hen, whatever it is that you're craving. You're just like, I just want something. I just want some meat. And you need in that moment, the physical strength of God to overcome you and say, you know what? You're going to be all right. And it's a humbling ourselves under God, realizing we can't do anything. Can I say that again? We can't do anything without God. And when we fast, it, it brings a humility into our life. And Psalms 35, 13 said it this way. I put sackcloth on and I humble myself with what? With fasting. How did, how did the writer of this Psalms humble himself? He humbled himself with fasting. And when we come before God in fasting, it's a humbling of ourselves. It's an, a, an acknowledgement of God to say, God, I realize and I acknowledge that only you can pull me through the next 21 days. It's a humility. Proverbs 3.34 said it this way, he resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. You know, I think a lot of times we can come to this place in our spiritual walk where we can get a little bit puffed up, if I'm being honest. To where we think, you know what, I, I got this. We almost like kind of put things on coast because we think like spiritually, man, I'm good. Spiritually, I got this thing under control. You know, I'm doing good in this area of my life and this area of my life. And I'm not giving in to this temptation or this temptation. And, and we can become a little spiritually puffed up. But God says this. He resists the proud, even if you're proud in yourself spiritually of, of who you are or who you become or the things that you overcome, because at the end of the day, we have to remember who gave us the strength to do it. It had nothing to do with me. I didn't do it in my own strength because I can remember back on a day when I tried to overcome on my own and I couldn't do it. When I tried to find victory on my own and I couldn't do it. So the only way that I could find freedom was to turn to God and I had to humble myself and say, God, my strength comes only from you. But he resists the proud, but come on, he's gonna give grace to the humble. It's easy to get into a place of, of our relationship with Jesus where we become self-confident. But I never want to be self-confident in my relationship with Jesus Christ. I always want to be God-confident in my relationship. We can't start thinking more highly of ourselves. In fact, the, the writer of Romans, Paul, he, he wrote it this way in, 12, in Romans 12, 3. He said, for I say, through grace given to me, to everyone who is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think. This is Paul. This is the writer of half of the New Testament. He's saying, I can't think 
of myself more highly than I ought. If there's anybody that could think of himself more highly than he ought, don't you think it would be Paul? Don't you think it would be the writer of the Bible who was inspired by scripture, who he goes through all these things that he went through. He's like, I was shipwrecked. I've been beaten. I've had all of these persecutions put against me. And yet I still serve God. I still love God. And if Paul can say, I can't think of myself more highly than I ought, we have to say to ourselves, I can never come to a place where I ought to think of myself more highly than I ought to. But to think soberly, it goes on to say, as God has dealt to each one, now watch this, as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. Come on, somebody say measure of faith. Do you realize what this is saying? That even the faith that I have has been dealt to me by God. That even the faith that I have in my heart to believe, that even the faith that I have to say, God, I believe that you can do all things, that God has dealt me that measure of faith, that even the faith I have really has zero to do with Craig and my ability to believe, but it has to do with the faith that he's placed on the inside of me. You know what? That's why I like those final moments of worship when we're singing something like, I serve a miracle working God. I just like to stay in those moments because sometimes my faith needs to be built. Because sometimes I might not come in here fully believing that I serve a miracle working God. And sometimes I just need to sing it. And sometimes I need Aaron just to keep singing. I I serve a miracle working God. Yes, I do. Yes. And you just got to sing it over and over and over. And sometimes I just got to put a song on repeat. Why? Because it gets in my spirit and it encourages me and it lifts me up and it fills me full of faith. and, And it helps me realize that, God, I can't do this on my own. Man, a fast that moves the heart of God, it requires humility. Fasting is, a, is, is humbly bowing before God, acknowledging that some things only come out by fasting and prayer. I tried it my way. I did it my way. I went to every program. I read every book. I talked to every person. I, I, sought, out, I sought out advice, but some things only come out through fasting and prayer. I've tried everything in my power. I've done everything I know to do, and God, it's on you. You've got to deliver me. You have to remove what's ailing me. You've got to bring me victory because some things only come out by fasting and prayer. Fasting is the act of humbling ourselves before a great and merciful God and saying, God, only you can do what needs to be done. Listen to how Matthew said it. This is Jesus' words. He says, for those who exalt themselves will be humbled. Those who humble themselves will be exalted. I don't know if you remember what we talked about last week, but we talked about when you fast, just like Daniel, when Daniel fasted, there was a favor that came on his life. That's not the reason that he fasted, but as he fasted, there was a favor that came on his life. What I know is that if we'll humble ourselves before God, what I know is that he's going to exalt us out of the situation. He's going to exalt us out of the problem. 
He's gonna exalt us out of the storm. He's gonna exalt us out of the trial. He's gonna exalt us out of the situation. But it doesn't happen if I try to exalt myself. But God goes, look, I'm gonna reach my hand out and I'm gonna pull you out of the situation, out of the problem, out of the hurt, out of the pain. And he reaches down and he says, when you humble yourselves, I will exalt you. 1 Peter 5, 6 says, humble yourself, therefore, under God's mighty hand that he might lift you up in due time. And I feel like some people, maybe you've been in a a cycle or a situation that you need to be lifted out of. Can I tell you, I believe that God is going to lift you out of the situation as we humble ourselves before a mighty God. We worship you, God. Come on, can we take a moment? I worship you. God, I worship you. I love you, God. I thank you, God. I realize that I can't do it in my own strength. I realize I can't do it in my own power. I realize, God, that it's not me, but it's you. And I thank you, God. I thank you for the strength. We humble ourselves under you. We humble ourselves under your mighty hand. Thank you, God. So number one is is we humble ourselves. Number two is we pray and we seek God's face. You're like, well, this seems really obvious. Well, sure it does. But like I said, we can do these spiritual rituals and they can become just that. They, they can become a ritual. They can become something that we just go through the motion. It, it can be, become something that, that we said, okay, we're going to do as a church. And, and because we did it as a church, I'm just going to hop in and, and participate. But it's got to be more than just going through a spiritual ritual. It's praying and it's seeking God's face and it's, it's asking for him to move on our behalf. But, but listen to this, because, and, I, and I wrote it down and I want to say it the way that I wrote it down. Praying and seeking God's face. Make this fast more about drawing close to God and less about drawing close to his hand. More about drawing close to his face and less about drawing close to his hand. Can I explain what I mean? Because his hand really represents what he can give you or what he can do for you. I want to be less interested in what God can give me or do for me. And I want to be more interested in just about knowing him more. And that has to become the purpose of our fast. And yes, I know we write down things and objectives that we want to see and we do cover those things in prayer. But I promise this is that if we make God the objective and seeking his face and not so much what he can do, the other thing is going to happen. You're going to receive from him. And we just talked about it when we humble ourselves. What does he do? He lifts us up and and he exalts us out of the... So don't worry about that. Make your goal and your priority. God, I just want to draw close to you. I want to know you more. I want to know you more intimately, just like in in a relationship, like, you know, when when you and your spouse first started dating or, uh, you know, what did y'all, y'all just talked on the phone all the time. Or, or, you know, these days, I guess it's text. If you grew up in our day, it was talking on the phone. Me and Shannon would talk on the phone for hours, sometimes fall asleep on on the phone. And, 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 but why? Just because, you know, you were getting to know each other. Why don't we just find ourselves spending time with God like that. God, I just want to get to know you. And we just spend time with him and we just open this book and we just read and we just pray. But if we just do this thing as a spiritual ritual, it's not going to be effective because we got to humble ourselves before God and we got to pray and we got to seek his face. Say, God, I just want to know you. 
Because God's not a spiritual ATM. He's, he's not a spiritual vending machine that we just go to and, and we insert our prayers. And after we insert our prayers, all the blessings come out and we just collect the blessings and walk away. That's not what God is. He's not our spiritual vending machine. We go, let's see, I want B1. And we press B1 and out comes our blessing, B1. That's not the way it works. Because he's not our spiritual vending machine. Praying and seeking God's face may reveal to us that things that we wanted is not what God had for us in the first place at all. Can I say that again? Praying and seeking God's face may reveal that the things that we wanted is not what God wanted for us in the first place. How did we discover that? By seeking his face. If we're always just seeking his hand and God, what you can do for me and give me this and give me this and bless me with this and bless me with that. And God is over here going, that's not even what I have for you. I mean, you could be begging and praying, God, give me a raise. God, give me a promotion. And God's going, I've got something completely different for you that's going to bless you far greater than what you're begging me for. But if you'll just seek my face, I'm going to make it clear and plain to you. But so many times we spend our times with God begging him for what we want rather than just seeking his face in humility going, God's, and you know what, in a way that is coming to God in humility because it's not trying to enforce my will on God. It's going, okay, God, what do you want? I think coming to, to God with pride says, God, this is what you need to do for me. Humility steps back and says, God, what do you have for me? What do you want to give me? What do you want to bless me? If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face, then, then I'll turn. And you know, I love what Matthew 6 says. We're really going to dive next week uh, into Matthew 6, the Sermon on the Mount. When Jesus begins, he, I mean, it just... It's amazing the things that Jesus just goes down the line and he begins to teach on. And it's, you know, it's just kind of thing after thing. But there's this discourse in, in Matthew 6, and he says this about fasting. He's teaching on fasting. And I want you to notice where it says the word reward twice in here. But watch this. He says, when you fast, do not look somber like the hypocrites do. For they disfigure their faces to show others that they are fasting. It's you know, you go into work, you're like, oh, everybody's like, what's wrong with you? Fasting, yeah. starving, haven't eaten today. You know, it, like, you got your reward because they're going to be like, oh, man, why are you doing that? You know, me and my church, we're really spiritual people. You know, like, they're like, wow. You know, you got your reward. This is what Jesus says. He says, you know, don't disfigure your faces. Truly, I tell you, they received their reward. What do you want? You want the praise of men? You want the praise of people? You want the praise of God? And Jesus said, don't do that because that's their reward. But when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face so that you will not be, so it will not be obvious to others that you're fasting, but only to your Father who is in heaven, the unseen. And watch this. And your Father who sees what is done in secret will do what? He'll reward you. There's a reward that he has in his hand that he wants to give you and sow into you and pour out. But it happens when we make it more about seeking God and not seeking God. What's in your hand? I want, I want this. I want that. No, God, I just want to know you more intimately. God, I just want to become more like you. I want, to, I want less of me and I want more of you, God. Let me read your word. And as I read your word, let me learn more about your character and your nature and who you are and what you're revealing. And, and show your love to me and speak to me. And I promise you, 
if you'll approach God in that way, he's going to be faithful to speak to you. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves, turn from their wicked ways, Jesus makes it clear that there's a reward to fasting. Twice he says it in Matthew 6. But those benefits are only reaped if we make fasting about drawing close to God and not drawing the praise of men. Fasting has nothing, listen to me, fasting has nothing to do with the external and everything to do with the internal. Can I say that again? Fasting has nothing to do with the external and everything to do with what's happening in us. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and do what? And turn from their wicked ways. And I really want to zero in on this tonight because a fast requires this. It requires humility, praying and seeking God's face, but it requires repentance. It requires repentance. And like I said, it's not about the external, it's internal. It's an external practice that does something to the internal. I'm pushing away from the table. I'm pushing away from food. I'm pushing away from the things I desire. I'm pushing away from social media. I'm pushing away from the TV screen, whatever it is that you're doing. I'm pushing away from these things. And that's an external thing because, God, I know you're working internally. In Joel chapter 2 in the Old Testament, it says, Even now, declares the Lord, return to me with all of your heart, with fasting and weeping and mourning, And then it says this, I love this. It says, rend your heart and not your garment. Rend your heart and not your garments. Return to the Lord your God for he is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and abounding in love. And he relents from sending calamity. Rend your hearts and not your garments. Don't worry about the external. God, do something internally. Not about what's happening on the outside. God, it's about what you want to do on the inside. It's about what you want to do in my heart. It's about what you want to do in my life. And we will humble ourselves and we seek his face. I promise you the things that you're praying and saying, God, I need some stuff to happen. Some things that only could come out by prayer and fasting. Those things, Lord, I know that as I make rending my heart, repentance, turning from things that have been sinful, turning from things that I have sought in my way and I haven't sought in your way. God, as I rent my heart, Lord, I know that you're going to show up and you're going to move. Return to the Lord your God for he is gracious and compassionate. We serve a gracious God that as we repent, he comes running to us. Rend your heart and not your garments because it's an internal thing. Fasting has more to do with the internal than it does the external. Fasting is an external practice of giving up food that impacts the eternal. If we'll give up some things, some external, if we'll go through some external ritual, but we never repent, we've missed the whole purpose of fasting. If we say, okay, I'm going to give up food, I'm going to give up sweets, I'm going to give up meat. I'm going to give up whatever it is. I'm going to give this up, but I'm not going to repent. You're missing. You're missing the point. I'm going to give up all this, but I'm not going to pray. I'm going to give all this up, but I'm still going to be pride, prideful. God checked my heart this last week on pride. God had to check me. God had to check me because I had moments to where I'm like, oh, I'm fasting. Oh yeah. Okay. And who gives me the strength to do it? God. 
I'm nobody. I, I, am, I am nothing. And I can't get to a place to where I become spiritually proud because of something that I'm doing, realizing that it's God that gives me the strength. I'm going to ask that the band come back. And I want you to stand on your feet. I want, I want to close with this. And then we're going to open the altars here. And I really want to focus on repentance. And zeroing in on, you know, going, God, I'm turning from my ways and, 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 I'm, and I'm turning to yours. We're going to focus in on, on humbling ourselves and seeking God's face and just telling God, you know what? I'm sorry. Maybe I've been proud. Maybe I haven't made you priority. Maybe I've drifted from my first love. Maybe I haven't made seeking you in, in prayer. And God, you know, whatever it is, maybe I've, I've allowed my mind to become lustful. Like there could be so many different scenarios. Maybe you say, I'm struggling with, with greed and trusting God with my finance. Like, I don't know. But the, whatever it is for you, we're going to come to the altar and we're going to lay it at the altar. And, and we're going to, the altar is a place in, in the Old Testament. It was a place where people would go to sacrifice things. And so we call this the altar in a, in a church because it's a place where we come and we sacrifice things. And we go, you know what? There's this part of me that doesn't look like you, God. So I'm going to lay it on the altar and I'm going to sacrifice it and I'm going to give it to you. So tonight we're going to close with that. But before we do, I just want to read you this. Jonah chapter 3, 6 through 10 says, Then the word came to King Nineveh. And so this is Jonah. Jonah goes, you know, you know the story. God sends him and um, says, I want you to go preach to Nineveh. And he refuses and he goes to Tarshish and he ends up in the belly of a well. And uh, finally, after three days in the belly of the well, he cries out to God and, and he, you know, he repents. He has this moment of repentance. Because he repents, he's spit out on dry land and he goes and he preaches through the city for three days. The city was so large, he had to go, you know, one end to the other preaching. So if he preaches for third day and when the king of Nineveh heard, he arose from his throne and he laid aside his robe and he covered himself with sackcloth and he sat in ashes and he caused it to be proclaimed and published throughout Nineveh by decree of the king, his noble, saying, let neither man nor beast, herd nor flock taste anything. Do not let them eat or drink water. They went hardcore, y'all. But let man and beast be covered with sackcloth and cry mightily to God. Yes, let everyone turn from his evil way and from the violence that is in his hands. Who can tell if God will turn and relent and turn away from his fierce anger so that we may not perish? Watch this, verse 10. Then God saw their works. Come on, somebody say works. God saw their works. Last week we talked about how faith without action is dead. God saw their faith and he saw their action. He saw that they believed the word that was being proclaimed. Hey, this city's going to be destroyed. And if we don't put some action behind our belief, we're going to be destroyed. So what they did is they put their faith in action. That God saw their works. That they turned from their evil way. They did what? They repented. They declared a fast. They humbled themselves and said, God, you're God. We are so sorry. You're God. And they turned from their evil way, their wicked way. What did God do? God relented from the disaster that he had said that he would bring upon them, and he did not do it.
Why? Because in humility came before God and they sought his face and they prayed and they repented. 